Hello, this is episode 312 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Rani. So I have no idea what the title for this podcast is. It's going to be in season seven. It's really interesting. Whenever I do anything in education, my podcast kind of bombs, which I find kind of ironic. And people are like, but that was really practical and really accessible and really grounded. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes that isn't what people like. So there's a lot going through my head at the moment. This is a kind of a no- I don't I don't really have notes for this podcast. It's a kind of an amalgamation of things I've been sort of hitting off. So I've been reading a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Victor E. Frankel. I'll put a link in the description. It's actually available as a free audio book for anybody who has an Audible account. For the next two years, the publishing rights are still available free. And I started reading that book because I had a conversation with my own self-tribe and there was a lot of things that came up in the conversation, but one of the parts was that there was a time when we thought of big thinking rather than needing to measure and have data. And then it was kind of ironic because I went on to meet someone else in the same weekend who's kind of proving some of my big thinking by having data. I'm really excited about that being written up and I'll talk more about it and I'll invite them onto the podcast when we're ready. And another part of that conversation was I was talking about the fact that I've kind of got to the stage where I'll look for signs and when is the right time to speak. And they were saying, oh, I was listening to something on that and I went off and I researched this idea of the eightfold path in Buddhism and that there's a right time to speak. It's not just about speaking in truth and the integrity and the intentions behind your speaking and how you hurt people and all those considerations. There's actually a right time to speak. And often for me, it's not a right time to speak, which is kind of ironic. And there's a lot in this book, Man's Search for Meaning. There's a lot that is brought up for me. It's a harrowing. The first part of the book, the book's in three segments. You have to have a really good reason to read the first part because it's a harrowing description of Auschwitz and surviving concentration camps. But it's from a psychological big thinking point of view and what we can learn about mankind. The second part of the book is on the theory that comes out of the practice and the experiences, which I think is really important, which is kind of what I'm going to talk about, I think, in this podcast. And the last part is the kind of optimism of just the scope of difficulties within humankind which can be solved by thinking differently so if you want you can skip the first part and i wouldn't hold that against you because it is it's a very harrowing read and you have to have a good reason to read it and then of course there's the trial taking place at the moment Um, and i said to someone else this morning was like i can't record a whole podcast on that like it's very simple like if you're I always describe people as two sides of a coin and depending on your environment and the relationship and the interactions in your life, you get either the best or the worst of yourself. It's not complicated. How do I record a whole podcast on that? Like that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing the toxicity of two people play out and all of their, their pain from the past come forward that hasn't been healed. The healthy answer to that is you stay in, you heal the things that are triggered. Or the unhealthy side is you just act out the worst of yourself. And then I was reminded of a Gandhi quote that I shared during the week as well. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony, which is incredibly straightforward. And so there's been a sense for me for the whole pandemic of feeling very in alignment and of watching the people who feel very in alignment and the people who aren't in alignment. 
And, I'm, and there's like this great irony because it's almost like these people have had too much time to think. But yet in this book by Victor E. Franklin, what he shows, which gives me great faith in humanity, is that it wasn't your physical strength that determined whether or not you survived concentration camps. It was your ability to have a rich inner world, to have a reason beyond yourself to survive. In his case, it was recreating his manuscript that he had confiscated when he arrived in Auschwitz. But you need a reason beyond yourself, which is mostly what I've seen people struggle with in the Potomac and the other side of that, and what I'm really watching people struggle with in terms of Earth Day. I didn't share anything for Earth Day this year because I felt so dejected with everyone has gone back to normal. And they don't feel very in alignment, and they just feel like they have all of these needs that are mostly materialistic, that need to be met, and come at a great cost to the planet. But did this sense of having an inner world and a, and a peace, going back to the right time to speak, having that internal monologue and the ability to listen to others, and the small acts of kindness and the choices that we have to make, even in the worst of conditions, we have a choice to make to rock up as a good person, those actually determine your survival. And he went on to live until he was 92, beyond surviving so much toll on his body, which is just extraordinary. But that sense of having a reason beyond yourself. And I think that's the biggest part of what I'm seeing in the, the sense of the people who didn't feel content during the pandemic. It was so little I missed. And there's so little on the other side that I'm rushing towards. And there's a great correlation between that contentment and that alignment and that healthy relationships with other people and surviving the worst, which is really where we're at as the planet starts to implode on itself, completely created by us. But there's a sense, like even in that most toxic relationship, and this is what he, he shows in, in theory with his loggerhead theory, his principle that he devised in searching for meaning, not just extrapolating out, you know, psychotherapy. He's, he's quite amusing in, in how he kind of answers someone's response, you know. I'm sorry, I'm going to rustle pages here for a second. I'm trying to remember it, but, you know, someone basically described psychotherapy in one line to him. As you know, you sit on couch and you talk about lots of things that you don't want to talk about. And he said, well, logotherapy, well, basically you get to hear lots of things that you don't want to hear. Or in my case, you get to read things you don't want to read. And they jar off you. And, you know, and there's a sense of not feeding the cycle. There's a sense of you needing to change. So those being the differences between logotherapy and psychotherapy. Or as I put it to someone recently when I was working with them, the universe will keep showing up and keep presenting you with the same experiences until you go, okay, right, I give a shit about this. And for me, I suppose 2016 was a really profound year where I went, right, I, I, I really care about a lot and I can't do this the way everyone thinks I should do it. And I stepped off the grid. And I did it my way. So there was a sense of me being very in alignment and very prepared for the pandemic. And I wasn't really searching for, for much else. And I was struck by a, a cartoon this week. It says, I told you, this is just an amalgamation of all the things that have hit off me this week that I see around me. And it was this cartoon. And it's, it's bizarre to have read, you know, the survival of Auschwitz. And to see a cartoon and you've got one person who's abusing a group of people and they particularly singled out one person to abuse and everyone's cowering and then that person stands up and then a few people stand up with them 
And then it's supposed to be that everyone stands up together and only in unity can we, you know, defy totalitarianism, which I can never say that word properly. And um, you can defy the bully, basically. And I was sort of thinking, well, actually, I'd just rather have one person stand by my side who can truly see me and truly reach me and truly meet me than have a whole load of people who have just stood up basically to save their own skin. Because they're only afraid that they're going to be the next victim. That's their only reason for standing up most of the time. There's so few people who stand up to save you. They stand up to save themselves. And that was that was really true in, in that book, that, that essence of those internal values really counted and really saved you. And and that's the bit like that's a complete contradiction to how we how we view society. And he finishes up by talking about one of my other passions in kind of in ageism. Like for a long time I wanted to listen to people in the generation beyond me because I feel that they have gone through experiences and integrated them. And that is so much more impactful than just having ideas or just talking. It's the survival and the integration and the experiences and the navigating of them and turning those into something new and into a new story that's admirable for me. It's not the vitality of youth that we, that we prize in the world now, particularly since social media. And we all know social media is a particularly topical one this week too. The impacts of social media, like what we revere. Do we really read the depths of these experiences on social media? Or that age group even on social media? To really engage, to really understand what they've taken through? What they've survived? So I'm glad for all the experiences I went through before 2016. I'm glad for all the environments that I held and... All the experiences I had, all the people who crossed my path and all the difficult relationships I did and everything else. But I want something new. I've integrated those experiences and got to a new place. And I believe there's something better possible. And when I listened to this book, I really knew that there was, that even in the worst of humanity, that everything was possible. And one of the great concerns I have at the moment since the pandemic and what is needed in a way to save the environment is for things to become more localized. And one of the concerns I have is that in making things localized, we become very insular and very small-minded and very conservative. And we still don't like difference. Like my, my meaning for getting up every day is difference, my love of difference, and how much I want humanity to really, you know, meet that and, and, and love it as much as I do. To just meet people where they're at and to not need to speak, to actually just be able to listen. But I have a concern that in order to save the planet, we need to stop traveling. And we need to stop importing so many goods and we need to become more localized again. But will a conservative small-mindedness come with that? And a control and, and many of the, the sort of thinking that ultimately forms situations such as the, 
the far right thinking and the control of others. It literally only takes one person in a community to be the bully and start to declare what what is in and what is out. And for the people closest to me, they often talk about the fact that, you know, and, and this was again part of the conversation last weekend that I was struck by. They're kind of like there's an acceptance in them that I that I live in in an environment where maybe I'm not always met. And that was very obvious to me during the pandemic. And they're sort of like, but I know you need to be there because that, that is your creation. So you create in that difference and in that in that thinking and in that zone and in that gap and in that experience. So again, that we have experience, we have to, we have again the practical sense of turning your experiences into something positive and bringing those forward. So that probably is the title for the podcast: integrating experience. It's the biggest part of of what I do with everyone that I work with. That everything that you are, that everything that you've gone through, everything that you've experienced, there is a positive reason for that. It adds to that rich inner world if you want it to. Or it can add to this absolute tormenting voice that you can just focus on. And if we didn't have that tormenting voice, we wouldn't need to feed it with all the things that it's costing the planet right now. There would just be an at peace and a stillness in it. The part that people really couldn't cope with during the pandemic. The part that everyone has needed to run away from again in the school holidays. They've all needed to bail out. So yes, that's the collision of my brain this week. And I, I feel blessed to have created a life where I have the space to integrate not only my experiences, but those of the people that I work with. And the experiences of having read so much. And I finished an Alice Walker poetry book this week too. Absolute Trust in the Goodness of the Earth. Which is a really good book to read at the moment. Because it's a kind of, um, it's that sense of simplicity in life. Being embraced and loved. As a backdrop to war. And and what came about after the 9-11 attacks. So it's a very topical book. I feel right now to read. But I feel blessed to have created the life where I have this space to do that. To not just do the the firefighting work that that so many people get sucked into doing because they have such a need from it. I have a bigger need for the space I create to integrate everything. I feel that's what really matters. That's my meaning. And I'm fortunate enough that I didn't have to survive multiple concentration camps together. And I can't remember who said this quote, the privilege is not about what you've been through, it's what you haven't been through. 